insights and ideas for the expansion stage senior manager. Hosted by OpenView Labs. Hello and welcome to this edition of Labcast. I'm Kevin Kane. Today I'm joined once again by Dave Brock, the president of Partners in Excellence, a boutique consulting and services company that's helped, that helps its clients sharpen their strategies and execution around a variety of areas, including business strategy, sales strategy, and performance, as well as globalization. Dave, Dave joins me to talk about how SMBs can determine whether or not they're ready to go global. Hey, Dave. Welcome to Blabcast. Thanks for joining me today. How's it going? Oh, it's great, Kevin. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. It's an exciting topic. Yeah, so uh, as I uh, mentioned in the introduction, we're talking about the whole idea of how uh, small and expansion stage companies can go global and, you know, what that really entails and the process around it. So, you know, what I wanted to talk about first today is just sort of how you come to the decision of when it's the right time to go global. If you're an SMB, you know, uh, is it automatic that in today's global world you need to be uh, in Europe and Asia, or is there certain uh, metrics or benchmarks or I don't know what that need to happen to uh, to indicate that it's the right time? That's a, a really great question. <laughs> I wish I had a really insightful answer to it. I, I think, you know, you, you kind of know when you know. Um, I, and I think maybe I'll turn this question around is, is in a sense, you know, I think a lot of SMBs don't think of the opportunity to global, go global. So it's less one of knowing uh, when the right time is, but they just omit that from their thought processes. And all, they think of themselves as kind of a regional or super regional player. They define their business as, you know, whether it's in the local community, whether it's in, uh, as, say, from a U.S. perspective in a state or whether we're national. But we don't naturally think about, gee, there's something beyond our country's borders. There are customers that might be interested in, in our products and services that are beyond our borders. I think one of the great things about the web, about mobile communications and all, is it's made it's made distance irrelevant. It's 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 compressed distance and allowed us to reach out across our country's borders, around the world, and find customers. It's also created the, the reverse, where where customers in regions where we've never served can find us and reach out and ask to do business with us. Certainly. Uh, so I don't know. Go ahead, Kevin. I was just going to interject that, you know, I can imagine, though, that the uh, the prospect of going global is a little bit of a daunting one. I imagine the, the regulation that comes into question, the, the cultural issues, the, you know, myriad different uh, aspects of that you need to consider is perhaps what keeps people from, from making the jump. It is daunting, and, 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 and I mean, you clearly have to uh, approach it uh correctly and, and think in ways that you perhaps haven't thought of before. I mean, one of the mistakes I see too many people make is they just think of uh, a global expansion, whether it's, say, you know, say a U.S. company looking to go to Europe, Asia, Africa, or, or Latin South America, is they just think of it as an expansion into a new market. Uh, and they extend the same business practices, the same business processes, even the same products uh, in, in the same old methods into these new regions where to be successful probably requires some very, very different thinking. 
Um, sure. So what do you typically recommend is the best way to go global? Is it through acquisition or partnerships, or is it just getting some boots on the ground and uh, growing organically from there? Well, I, I think uh, I think first of all, one is 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 knowing the right time to go global, and so so one is uh, I see too many, and particularly I see this in early stage startups, is they immediately want to go global. Is from the very first day of inception, they want to launch globally, um, and in very very seldom have I seen anybody be really successful at that. Is usually, I mean, you have to have things very stable in in your home markets. You have to know the formula for success and be executing that very very well because the time and resource it takes to be successful and moving beyond your home markets into global markets uh, is, is, is overwhelming. But no, as you start thinking about going global, first is, is uh, go invest time in understanding the markets. Go out and, you know, and perhaps even physically, go out and get to know the markets, get to know the customers, get to know the business practices and processes that are required for being successful. Because even, I mean, even if we look at maybe the simplest thing of, of, of Western markets dealing with each other, so we have, uh, say, a European company that wants to globalize by uh, coming to the U.S., the practices and processes and the way we present ourselves to customers are very different. And too often I see uh, people going global and failing to invest in that and understand it, and that will limit their success or, in, in fact, cause them to make some real failures. And too often I see people, for instance, just signing up a partner and, and abdicating their brand, abdicating the strategy, and just giving it to them and say, solve the problem, problem, sell my product. And usually that's a sure sure road to failure. So assuming that you are going to go down the path and you suggest doing the, uh, the appropriate research and due diligence, you know, I, I know this is kind of a tough question to answer, and it's going to vary wildly based on industry and company and where you're trying to relocate or go to globally. But can you give our listeners some sort of sense of what type of resources and how much time uh, you know, a global uh, expansion project uh, is going to take or strategy? Well, I, I mean, in some sense, if you, if you think of the time and resource it took to establish yourselves in your home market, so if you look at it, say, from a startup point of view, is we invested time in, in trying to understand who our customers are in our home markets, trying to figure out what's the best way to attract them and to, to serve them and to start doing business and support them. You know, in essence, you're talking about doing the very same thing all over again. Now, you've presumably learned a lot, so you aren't starting from ground zero, so you can compress that cycle. But, but you know, you do have to say, you know, do I have you know, you do have to go in and understand the markets. You do have to invest some in, in physical presence and research. And then you have to say, what are the right? What is the right way for me to enter that market? Is it is the right way for me to establish an office and establish my employees? Can I find a partner or a channel, uh, a reseller, 
or say a master distributor that can allow me to achieve my objectives and open those markets. So you do that. So it does, it takes time, it takes resource. I'm working with uh, a number of companies right now. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the biggest problems I see, one is, is an unrealistic view of time. And then you, you take them back to, well, look at, look at how long it took you to ramp into home markets. You know, it probably won't take you that long, but it will take you some time. And you look at money, people underinvest. I mean, in particular, if they're going for a partner strategy, they say, you know, let's just sign a master distributor and turn the problem over to them, and they'll solve it and we'll collect the orders. You have to invest money in this. You have to, whether it's, it's money to develop training and programs, whether it's money to localize your, your manuals, your website, your, your product offerings, and it's money invested in, in, in marketing or co-marketing uh, within those marketplaces. So you've already touched on in our conversation a couple of the, the mistakes that big companies make when they go global, and you're not getting the timing right, not having done their due diligence, uh, partnering, partnering with someone and sort of advocating uh, when they do, uh, and really not understanding their market. Are there other... Uh, challenges or mistakes that you see companies making on a consistent basis that you can help our, our listeners avoid? I, well, I think it's just because it works and sells in our country doesn't mean it works and sells in, in, in uh, an, another country. I, I mean, we have to respect uh, cultural and, and differences. We have to expect behavioral and attitudinal differences, and we have to understand those and adjust our strategies um, to, to do that. I mean, as a simple example, uh, a number of years ago, I invested in a software company in uh, Paris. And as I was recruiting to build the management team, I was using all the success things that I had done successfully in the U.S. in starting a number of very, very successful startups and growing them. But then all of a sudden I found I was having difficulty doing that in Paris because I was, you know, all of our employees at the time were French. And, you know, the way they wanted to be led, the way we implemented and executed our strategy, the way we attracted the right talent was very different from the process that I had used um, in the U.S., not that one was better than the other, but they were different, and I was failing to recognize those important differences. You know, so uh, as yeah. we look at, at going global, at the cultural differences, we have to look at the market differences. You know, certainly as as you enter, say, the Chinese market, being very attentive to the governmental. In, in, in the regulatory and the overall structure of, of that, that marketplace is very critical to your success. You know, so I, I think, you know, we do have to really understand cultural attitude and behavioral and to some extent uh, governmental and, and regulatory differences to be successful. Do you think that that uh, need for cultural sensitivity might uh, lessen in the future as uh, globalization takes more effect and uh, you know we come uh, we become I guess less culturally distinct as a as a world? Um, absolutely not. In fact, I think that the the recognition of cultural differences probably becomes um, more intense. Um, you know, certainly as we look at social media today. 
and the ability to communicate, whether it's through Twitter or blogs or building communities around the world, you know, we see important cultural differences. And I think we become enriched and better people by recognizing and understanding different points of view. So I would tend to say that the path to success is, is almost exactly the opposite, is, you know, heightened awareness of the cultural differences, heightened sensitivity to it, using it to enter the, 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 the region that you want much more successful, successfully, and also using it to make your company a better company um, and a, a global player. David, this has been really great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, before I let you go, can you let our listeners know where they can find you online? Well, thanks so much for asking, Kevin. This has been fun. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm Dave Brock. I'm president of a boutique consulting company called Partners in Excellence. Probably the best places to find me online are either through Twitter at David A. Brock or through my blog site, uh, which has all my contact information, which is partnersinexcellenceblog.com. Great, Dave. Thanks again for having uh, for joining me today. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate the invitation, Kevin. Take care. You too.